We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2023 Wells Fargo Championships Picks Research. We're getting in to the nitty gritty and good news to you early viewers of This Week in Golf. And yeah, I'm back. You know, it took two weeks off. No one cared about those tournaments anyway. We got an elevated event this week, and that means that the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League is back. Already got the link. It's down in the description. Three max entry, $15 to play on each of those entries, 3,500 spots this week. We're building back up for the PGA Championship in three weeks' time. So let's get that filled as quickly as possible. Thank you very much on that. Also, no better time to get in on FantasyNational.com. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo will get you 20% off all of the research tools, the lineup generator, the simulator, all of the research that you actually need to do with all the filters. Customize it any way you want. So let's jump over now to learn a little bit more about the Wells Fargo Championship, which is back at Quail Hollow after an absence from last year. A reminder as well, if you're looking back at last year's President's Cup at Quail Hollow, that the order of the holes were rearranged, so everything may not jibe with what you were thinking uh, when you go back hole by hole. So it's back to the traditional layout that we've seen post-PGA Championship in 2017. Obviously, Justin Thomas won that year, and in 2017, the Wells Fargo Championship was not contested at Wells Fargo. It was at Eagle Point Golf Club. So when you go back and look at history, 2022 and 2020, or 2017, sorry, we're not in 2027 yet, 2017, both not at Quail Hollow. That was the site of the PGA Championship and the President's Cup from those years, just to get that out of the way. But one of the longer courses on the PGA Tour, 7,500 138 yards playing as a par 71. For members, hole number one is a par five. For the professionals, hole number one is not a par five. Uh, when you're looking at the greens, they're champion G12 Bermuda grass overseed with 
POA underneath. This is away from the Tiff Eagle Bermuda that we saw up until the PGA Championship in 2017. After the 2016 winner, James... Uh, I think they decided they want, like, really quality winners, and uh, for whatever reason, when you get your Derek Ernsts of the world, J.B. Holmes and James Hahn, uh, you want to get a few other players in the mix, and maybe that's what they wanted to do with the new style of Bermuda grass greens. That going on right now. The par threes are incredibly tough at this course, an average distance of... 196 yards. There's one easy one. I mean, it's easy. They all play over par, uh, but there's one at 167 yards. And then you have like the keyhole of the course. That would be number 17. Uh, the second part of the green mile hole, 16, 17, and 18. Three of the four most difficult on the course. That is an incredibly tough one uh, when you're coming down the stretch. You got the water in the front. You got the rough in the back. I remember the year that Jason Day won in 2018. I thought that I was was going to cash a ticket because he was blowing it uh and he, when he chipped back on it he either hit the pin on the way over or on the way back i can't remember what it was he ended up making par on the hole and that was going to be it it looked like he was going to make double bogey but no that was not going to be the case but the par fours are where these are one just one more note on hole 17 just for a moment uh a 26 0.3% bogey or worse rate. Uh, that's an 8.6 double or worse rate. That's the highest on the course. In case you were wondering, uh, eight of the par fours measure over 450 yards, and four of the five most difficult holes are par fours. There is the outlier that is number 14, 344 yards. It has the third highest eagle rate at 1%, and the third highest birdie rate on the course at 34%. And then you have the par fives. Number seven is reachable in two. Uh, number 15 can be reachable in two, although the eagle rate isn't all that high, still under 2%. But I mean, theoretically, you could go eagle eagle on 14-15 to really get yourself back into it. But number 15 does have the lowest scoring average to par. It's the easiest hole on the course with a 45% birdie rate. And frankly, just looking at this course like you're doing right now, uh, distance is going to play a huge key, obviously, when you have a course that's over 7,500 yards. That's a par 71. But we have seen an abundance of just pure bombers pop up on the leaderboard over time. We, hell, whenever Derek Ernst can win a tournament, I remember Andrew Loop, Riviere de Loop, almost won and cashed me like a 500 to 1 ticket here one time because just taking the huge bombers down the list is usually the way that you want to go with a lot of this stuff. But we have seen the shorter hitters who are still really good off the tee. And when I say short hitters, I don't mean Brennan Todd. I mean short hitters like Corey Connors, like average to slightly above average to slightly below average. So your Corey Connors of the world, Tyrrell Hatton. We saw Abraham Answer come in second place to Rory McIlroy here two years ago when Rory took the drop on the 72nd hole, outsmarting everyone as it goes down. Molinari used to play really well at this course. Webb Simpson used to play really well at this course. James Hahn won this. He's not a, I mean, he's not like a you know a short hitter by any means but you know he's not Rory coming off the tee either so you need to if you're going to take one of those players those strong off the tee players who don't do it all with distance they need to be good and it comes down to your long irons I mean you can say that with almost any course but once we just take a look over now at fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off by the way uh, we're going to go down and just take a quick look at the average shot distribution 
uh, this week. Over 50% of approach shots are going to come from beyond 175 yards. Uh, I think it's 53% is the total when we take an overall look at it, uh, with 31.4% coming from 200 plus. Now, a lot of that has to do with the par threes. You can see there's one uh, there's one in between 220 225 yards. We'll take a look at the par threes for a second because you're going to get <laughs> number six is 249 yards. That's absolutely outrageous. And number 17 can be kicked back to over 200 yards, depending on the tee box of the day as well. So those long irons with the shorter hitters are where you want to go. There is something very funny when you look at the distribution, especially amongst the top 10 finishers. Around the green doesn't mean anything at Quail Hollow. And it's one of the smallest gaps you're ever going to see between off the tee and approach. Usually approach can be up to three times as impactful on your top 10, top five winning position as strokes gained off the tee. Not the case at Quail Hollow. You're going to need to make your putts, and these are tricky green complexes. They're incredibly fast, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen a lot of crossover success between Riviera, Torrey Pines, and this course over the years. Both Day and Homa have won at Torrey Pines, have won at this course over the past decade. Homa, James Hahn, and J.B. Holmes have all won at Riviera and Quail Hollow over the past 10 years as well. And we've just seen a lot of players end up on the top and near the top, inside the top 10 of a lot of the leaderboards because I think the green complexes are so unique to each of the courses that having a creative mind on the greens and just being your being your prototypical great putter, maybe it will carry you through, but it might not be so much the case uh, on these weirder green complexes that you only see once a year, once every two years, whatever it may be. But the gap between off the tee and approach, although it does widen a little bit the closer you go down, it's still not very pronounced. Like in with your top five finishers, you know, a stroke per round on approach, uh, a three quarter, yeah, three quarters of a stroke off the tee. Like that's that that's nowhere near what you see the normal either balance between off the tee and around the green as you normally get, or on approach. And the main reason why around the green really doesn't mean anything. That's not to say, listen, I'm going to pick Victor. I'm going to bet Victor this week. So listen, I know Victor can chip himself at a tournament, even at events when chipping doesn't mean anything, but it's all about just controlling. Like if you can be an accurate bomber, huge advantage, good with your irons. That's fantastic. When we take a look at here at Victor in a minute, I mean, the ball striking has been immaculate and he can putt. It's not like he's a bad putter. He's just a horrendous chipper, but there is an equalizer at quail hollow is that if you can keep the ball in the fairway sometimes that's the best thing you can do for your short game is just fire at greens give yourself the best chance to fire at greens and regulation you hit the greens re greens and reg you're never gonna have to chip very obvious stuff but where the rough is so thick especially greenside at quail hollow we're in a situation now where even like if your ball is just buried down in the rough, you can't get any spin on that. Then you know, everyone kind of becomes victor around the green. You miss greens and regulation at this course, chances are you're probably making bogey. It's the way it's going to go. You can score at Quail Hollow. That's not the problem at Quail Hollow. You can make your birdies. You can make your eagles. It's just, can you get away with just making bogey when double and triple are in play? Can you save a par somewhere with a 13-foot putt? And I think that more or less correlates to how Victor is going to get his first win in the continental USA on the PGA Tour, rather than somewhere where we're going to have like closely mown greens and he's going to have to you know play it up this hill and spin it back from 30 yards out. Like, no, it's absolutely not his game. You know, maybe if he has rolls a hot putting week, we saw a lot, seen a lot of breakthrough performances at this course over the years. It was the site of Rory's big first win. It was the site of Ricky's big first win. Uh, didn't Max Homa win it? No, this would be Max Homa's breakout as well. I think he won this before he won at Riviera. I can't remember at this point, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest with you. My mind kind of 
comes and goes. I'm still getting out of vacation mode as well. Watch the Custies, which came out last Monday, by the way. Very proud of the Custies this year. So it's a Bombers paradise. I think all things being equal, we're going to lean towards the Bombers uh, this week, just with how long all these holes are. I said eight of them are over 450 yards. There's two of them over 500 yards. A very difficult course. Uh, So... That is what we're getting into when it comes to the course. So let's kind of take a look at what we've been doing for the course history at this tournament over the years. Obviously, we don't really care what happened at TPC Potomac a year ago. Max Homa did win. That, that's all nice and everything like that. But Rory won in 2021 with a score of minus 10, one stroke over Abraham Answer. So to kind of take a look at what we were doing DraftKings-wise that year, and you can take a look at the leaderboard right now as you can see it. Obviously, again, Abraham Answer did come in second, no longer in the field because he's on the Live Tour. He was $10,000. He was the fifth most expensive player on the board. Three of the top four DK scores did cost $8,900. That would be Rory, Vic, Woodland, and someone else popped up there. I forget who. It would have been answer that year. But then you have uh, no more than, you have three top scores who are no more than $7,000. I believe that Woodland was, but it was Mitchell, List, and Piercy all finished inside the top seven. But then you have like Wallace, Luke List, Woodland are all up there. Bombers. And like when I talk about the good iron shorter players who gain a lot off the tee. That's Emiliano Grillo, who's had like, sustained a pretty decent amount of success at this course over his career as well. Probably wouldn't go to him this week. Joel Damon is another one who's played well at this course. He's played well at Riv in the past, but he's another one who gained strokes off the tee primarily through driving the ball on the fairway. But again, he ends up ranking up there. I think if we look over the past 24 rounds and strokes gained off the tee, he's currently inside the top 30 on the PGA Tour. So stuff like that is worth noting. It's funny to look back at Justin Thomas. You know, He has the win here in major championship conditions, but really hasn't done much outside of that over the years. So that's what happened in 2021. There was no 2020 tournament. It was canceled due to COVID. And then 2019, this was the Max Homa win. Damon in second. Duffner, another one, an accurate player who gained strokes off the tee, or at least he did in 2019. That was kind of towards the end of his big run. But again, you have Keith Mitchell, Adam Shank, Rory McIlroy. Then you know, the fields kind of got bogged down, didn't they, uh, over time? But that was here. It was Homa and Damon 1-2, 2018. Let's see, Jason Day won. Who was in... What are we doing here? Yeah, Nick Watney. Luke, it was, I had Luke List that year. Of course I did. I have Luke List every year. It's funny just to look at Rory's 16th, 8th, 1st, 5th. He's won this tournament three times at this course, mind you. Ricky has played really well here over the years, too. Even when he was bad last year, he's still T21, T4. 2019, obviously the site of his first PGA Tour victory as well. See Seamus Power, he's had some decent performances here. Four out of five cuts made. Keith Mitchell, two top tens the past three years. Um, and we're not really, we don't really care about last year because it wasn't at the course that doesn't really matter uh who else duffner don't really care about him woodland has a fifth uh then we're gonna take a look at victor what was victor yeah, it was victor who was in third place uh, in his first appearance morikawa hasn't played here let's see some of the guys that have not played this tournament that are worth noting uh zach blair is in this tournament good for him uh, t12 back in 2017 uh duffy oh pearson cootie who's 
actually in the mix on the Corn Ferry Tour this week. Hopefully my guy Batia can just get it done. He's in the final pairing with Rom and Finau. Two strokes behind Finau. Going into the final day at the Mexico Open. Uh, I mean, I've lost a lot of these triple-digit runners, so he's probably going to come in second place because that's just the way my year has been going. But yeah, it would be nice if he could do it for me. You know, just coming off vacation, getting a nice uh, triple-digit winner, plus the each way. Maybe Carson Young can sneak himself inside the top five. Whew! We're doing pretty good at that point. Uh, Spieth hasn't played this tournament in the past five years. Uh, who else? Montgomery hasn't played it. Tom Kim hasn't played it, although Tom Kim did play it as a part of the President's Cup. We'll take a look at that in a second. But again, the holes were out of order uh, from what we're going to see. Nick Hardy coming off a win at the Zurich. Well, I was away. Who else here? Oh, Higo hasn't played it, so obviously I'm going to bet on him, and he's going to shoot like plus 85. Morikawa hasn't played here outside of the President's Cup. Ditto with Pendrith, who did play in the President's Cup as well. The Gala has not played at this course in competitive competition. Oh, then you have uh, Trevor Weberlow, who continues to, like, make cuts. This guy's not bad. Tell you the God's honest truth. I was going to make fun of his stupid name uh, when I see him down at, like, $6,500, but... Dude makes cuts. He's made every cut since the Sony Open. I think he's top 10 going into the final round at Mexico. Like, he's not good, but if you need someone to make the cut and, like, come T40, he's your guy. Uh, and it's funny because he doesn't really do anything well. He just does, he just spikes randomly in different spots all over the board, whether it be driving, around the green one week, approach and putting the next week. I don't know how the hell this guy continues to get it done. Uh, probably don't want to play him in an elevated event. He hasn't played in one of those yet. Uh, and that's going to be kind of the, when we take a look at, I mean, I do want to do a bit of a, not a deep dive, but someone that I wrote up in my column on DK Nation is Sam Stevens. Uh, he's eighth overall in strokes gained total over the past 24 rounds. But there is a distinct split in what he does well uh, versus what he does not do well. So take a look at the courses. You can see them here on the screen. Heritage, Valspar, Honda, American Express, Pebble Beach, Sony Open. Those are six events that he has played in this year. He has missed four of those cuts of those six events with no finish better than T34. What do those courses all have in common? Well... They're short courses. They're all under 7,400 yards. Valspar is a little bit longer when you par adjust, but I'm going to throw it in that bucket anyway because it helps my narrative, and that's what I want to do. But they're all under 7,400 yards. Now, he has played four courses that are over 7,500 yards this year. The Farmers, Puerto Rico, Corrales, and Valero. Not the strongest fields, although I did mention that there's a Torrey Pines crossover with this course that we've seen. At the Farmers, the Puerto Rico Open, Corrales, and Valeri's. Four for four in cuts made with finishes of 13th, 15th, 3rd, and 2nd. He likes longer courses. He's going to gain off the tee. He tends to do better with his longer irons. And even at those like goofy Torrey Pines South Complex, he's gained 5.3 strokes putting in three rounds so as you can see he loses strokes most weeks on the green except for when he doesn't and he gains over five that's like the jb holmes formula to how to win golf tournaments I don't, i'm not saying the sam stevens is going to win this week and i know that i've been you know, slow to the draw on what he can do but i'm really digging these splits and what they look like with him coming into this week i mean i doubt he's any more than sixty seven hundred dollars probably less than that in an elevated field event uh when you're talking about all of the players going to end up well not all of the players more on that in a minute but uh, so that's what we're looking for in ter terms of course history. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so what else do we want to go here? Let's talk about the field in general. It's an elevated event, as I mentioned, but not everyone is here. Are we getting kind of tired of the elevated events listen i know we're coming off zurich and mexico and like i said i went on vacation because that's how much i didn't give a shit about those tournaments you know i've been watching the mexico open i watched like none of the zurich because i really didn't care and i was like drunk all day off sparkling wine in napa valley but you know when i got to mexico i started watching i rented a cabana with a tv in it so i could watch the end of the heritage the first week i was gone so and i'm watching mexico now that i'm back but this tournament i mean it's a great course it's a fantastic field much better than it's been in years past because it's an elevated event but they're starting to lose their luster and it's not even halfway into the first year there's just too many of them like less is more when it comes to these sorts of things and this is actually in a good position if heritage hadn't been an elevated event the week after the masters you know this we'd be really looking forward hey it's the collection of all the big names again here they come but we're gonna have some real problems here in a few weeks so here's the schedule that happens. So we have an elevated event this week. We have Byron Nelson next week. Then we have the PGA Championship, which you know is obviously not only an elevated field event, but it also has all the live players and guys from around the world, the best players, the very best. And everyone says the best players are playing in the PGA Championship. Many people know this fact, but it is true. Uh, it's, it's a you know, it's a major. That's why it's a major. Coming out of that, here becomes the issue. Colonial is the next week. And even though Colonial is not an elevated event, you're probably going to see a lot of the Texas guys go and play it. For example, Scotty Scheffler is skipping this week at the Wells Fargo Championship. And I'm guessing that he's probably going to play next week at the Byron Nelson, another Texas event, play the PGA Championship. He might go to Colonial where he lost in a playoff last year to Sam Burns. So he might play those three events. So this is the one that he's skipping. Rory's already skipped two of them, and apparently it cost him $3 million to do so. But apparently he didn't care all that much. So you have Colonial, not an elevated event. Then you have Memorial, which is an elevated event. It's Jack's tournament. Everyone's going to go. Then you have the RBC Canadian Open, not an elevated event. However, it is the third oldest national championship on planet Earth. Uh, it's a week before a major, so some guys just inherently like to play a week before a major to make sure that their game is still in form. And RBC is one of the most prominent sponsors on the PGA Tour. They sponsor a lot of these golfers. So that field's not going to be shitty. It's going to be pretty good. I think Rory's already committed. Then you have all of 
team RBC that's going to show up, plus all the guys that like to play the week before the majors. So that's going to be a pretty strong tournament as well. Then you have the U.S. Open the week after that. Then there's another elevated event after the U.S. Open at the Travelers Championship. Like I like seeing all of these top players play at all these courses. That's fantastic. But... If we start seeing it every week, it kind of loses its luster. Like I mentioned, like we need to space these out a little bit more. It was awesome at the beginning of the year when there were no majors. But now that we have a major per month, I mean, hell, throw the Players' Championship into that mix as well because everyone's going to show up and play there. So March, April, May, June, and July. We probably don't need the elevated events the week after majors. Just put them in between all the majors. That sounds like a very reasonable solution to all of this. And maybe you can even do it and put those on a rotation. But the more you make a lot of these elevated events, the less the elevated events actually mean. And frankly, it just means that the majors mean more because they're the only fields, realistically, where you get all the players who are playing in the elevated events with the live guys, thus making it a much better tournament. So... I don't know. I love seeing all the guys play all the time, but it just feels like we're getting the same field week after week after week. I mean, maybe they really wanted to be the live tour. That's how this is turning out or make them commit to, I don't know if you're going to have 10 elevated events throughout the course of the season. Say you got to play like seven of them or something like that, just to mix it up a little bit. So it's not exactly the same guys at every single one, because that's part of the fun about the majors as well, is that, hey, we got everyone in one spot, even if there weren't the live guys involved in any of this. But anyway, that's where I'm going with it. Maybe I'm just complaining about nothing. It's kind of what it sounds like, but I want to see this do really well. And I'm trying to think of the best way to do it. And just having too many of them, I don't think is necessarily the problem. So there's no Rom or no Scotty. So number one and number two, not in the field of of an elevated event. And we're going to see more guys start skipping out on these, especially the very top end guys. Don't give a shit about the money. Uh, Rom decided it was in his best interest to go defend his title in Mexico. And I salute him for that. Like Rom wants to be, you know, an international player and where he is the most prominent Spanish speaking player in the world, going back to defend his title, even in a weaker field event in Mexico, I think is pretty good on him. He had every, after winning the Masters and then playing at Heritage, he could have just phoned that in. But now he goes out and almost shoots a 59 on Saturday. Going to He cares about winning. He'd probably play that every single year. It's awesome. I love to see it. Like I said, Scheffler probably plays next week at the Byron Nelson. Now, we don't have Hideki in the field. We're also getting Billy Horschel, Tom Hoagie, Russell Henley, Justin Rose, and Lucas Herbert taking a pass. Hideki's hurt. Aaron Wise is still out with mental health issues. And obviously, Will Zalatoris is out for the year. Other than that, Everyone else is here. 156 players in the field. I love this full field, full, as packed as it can get with all of the good players and some of the the lower-end players that we love to bet on. And, you know, if they don't win alternate field events, and we're probably going to bet them at these ones too because, you know, I'm an absolute goober. Love to lose money. Unless Batia wins and outduels Rom and Finau. That might be up money for the year. That'd be a huge hit for me. Just come inside the top five. Like I said, that's good enough for me. But... Let's take a look at the stats and what we want to look at. So I built two separate models coming into this week. I have the one that I've always used at Quail Hollow. Where are we at here? Quail Hollow, of course. Quail Hollow needs fixing. And I built another one, which uh, so this is one that it used to be. Off the tee, 20% approach, 20%. Around the green, 10%. 175 to 205. 200 plus 10. Driving distance, 10. I give it a 10. Par fives, 10%. 450 to 500 yards, 10%. Putting, 5%. So I, I've kind of scrapped that one. What did I call this new one? Uh, I had it all all rigged up here. It was something called... Oh, accurate. Was it Accuracy Resort Course? No, of course. Now I, I named it earlier, and now obviously I cannot find it. It was, it was Distance and Long Irons, I think is what it was. So Driving, maybe? 
No, there's nothing under driving. Why am I such an idiot and forgot to like save this underneath a decent name? Oh, Pat, why are you such a goober? I remember what it was. Maybe I can just kind of do it that way. No, it's total driving is what I put it under. Okay, so it's driving distance at 30%, fairways gained at 15%. Proximity, 175 to 200, 15%. Proximity, 200 plus at 15%. Strokes gained ball striking, the combination of strokes gained off the tee and approach. I have put that down to 25%. But what I'm going to do in this moment is drop fairways gained down to 10% and elevate ball striking. Again, approach plus off the tee up to 30%. I have strokes gained off the tee in the model, but weighted at 0% solely so I can just take a look at it as we go through. That's what I really wanted to do, uh, just to kind of get a comparison of guys that might not be so long and still pop up near the top. So over the past 24 rounds, here's who we're looking at at the top of the list. Gary, call me Gary. When you don't have chipping or putting in your model, you see Gary, you see Hovland, Cam Young, who was excellent here, both at the rider. How was he at the President's Cup? Now I can't even remember. Let's take a look here. How was everyone at the President's Cup? Uh, he played with Morikawa the entire time. He won against Tom Kim and K.H. Lee, didn't play in the second session. Then he lost to Hideki and Adam Scott. Then they didn't play in the fourth session. And then he lost to Sung Im one down. All right, so nothing great there from Cam Young, but I believe he was third, second? No, maybe he's never played this. Obviously, he played it last year, but it wasn't at this course last year. He was second last year at TPC um, TPC Potomac. But just looking at the numbers, obviously, we know he hits it a mile. Uh, the approach game has been very good. When he putts, you know, it can go well. Now, he's not normally a great putter, but his lack of around the green game shouldn't kill him here. Uh, ditto with Vic when we take a look at Victor and just to see what he's been doing. We forget that he was first-round leader at Heritage as well. He ended up, like, collapsing and coming 60th. But, you know, a very good Arnold Palmer, a very good player, a very good Masters, and at least, you know, he was leading everyone after one day. When you lose over seven strokes putting, it's not going to be a very good time when you're Victor Hovland. But look at these ball-striking numbers. They're off the charts. They're incredible incredibly good so let's take a look at who the best is in ball striking is it victor hovland well of course it is we just looked at the numbers who's going to be beating that victor first rory second morikawa third Cantley, Fina, Woodland, Cam Young. So it's all your favorites that are up there. Although you do see Corey Connors is actually, although he missed cut the Masters, uh, he won Valero and he was absolutely lights out. Forgot that he won Valero. Interesting stuff. Uh, so who is the best of the worst guys down here? It's funny, Nick Hardy and Davis Riley are both up there. And I don't think this includes their stats from the Zurich. It's funny that they rate out so highly. Will Gordon having another good week in Mexico. Obviously not, not against the same level of competition. You'll see Rory. Rory's number four in the model. He's won here three times. He's probably going to win this year. Uh, Sam Stevens, number 11. Taylor Moore, number nine. And again, this is past 24 rounds at just these specific stats. See, Sam Stevens does really well with his longer iron. You start putting wedges in his hand, not so much a time. But when you get him into this situation, a little bit better. You see Morikawa, like the only thing really holding him back in any of these stats is his driving distance. But he hits so many fairways. I'm interested to see how he plays at this course and what his odds are. I don't think I want to bet him less than 20 to 1. But if people are fed up with him, which I know a lot of people are, and we've seen him putt well at Riviera. We've seen him putt well at Torrey Pines, and I've said that those green complexes kind of go hand-in-hand hand with this place in the type of game that it takes, and we've seen Morikawa, you know, he made a charge at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. He's almost won at Riviera 
twice now. So this could be another spot uh, where Morikawa, hopefully undervalued, can come through for you a little bit. Cam Davis is starting to jump back up, although he's kind of all over the map with what he does. It's either uh, He either plays a Pete Dye course and does really well or does absolutely pitiful. Pete Dye Heritage, 7th. Pete Dye Players, 8th. Other than that, miscut, 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 miscut. What a year for old Cam Davis. The driving has been very, very good, though. Apparently, he was sick for a lot of the year. I mean, that's a rumor that's out there. I have no idea if that's true or not. Uh, but he did play in the President's Cup. Uh, he was 26th in this tournament in 2021. I think he was one of the better President's Cup guys. Let's see, he won and no, he lost. He got murdered by Spieth. Uh, Spieth played great, didn't he? Him and JT absolutely went bonkers. Yeah, they won all five of their points. So Spieth went 5-0 and at the President's Cup, and Justin Thomas lost to see. Woo! Kim. So Spieth was the high scorer for that team. Homa was very close, though. But Homa didn't play this session. So he did not end up winning. Him and, yeah, him and Finau, him and Horschel, and him and Finau. Yeah, so Homa was 4-0. and Obviously, he's won at this course in the past, and he has won under the Wells Fargo band. Maybe he's the Wells Fargo guy. Just like Morikawa is the Workday guy. Whenever Workday sponsors the tournament, great SG Workday. Great SG Wells Fargo for Max Homa. Who else is up here? Windy C. Matthias Schmidt rates out really well. Okay. Did not expect to see that. Keith Mitchell. I mean, that kind of tracks. He played well at Riv this year. He has two good performances at this course. Hayden Buck loves to fuck. Loves to be inside the top 25 and all of this as well. Big Dick Rick. Uh, the longer irons, like especially from over 200 yards, haven't been good. Other than that, not bad. Kurt Kitayama also rates out pretty well, though his strokes gained off the tee has really fallen since he got his win at the elevated event a little bit ago. I want to see what Sam Burns is up to. How did he finish it here? He came 15th at Heritage. A lot of that was putting. The putter has been absolutely amazing. And of course, none of these stats include his match play stats because it's hard to track the strokes gained from there. But four straight cuts made in a row. He's obviously figured out the approach game a little bit, unlike when he lost nine strokes on approach at the All Primer. I think I bet him that week too. Fun stuff. But the off the tee has been really good. How has he fared at this tournament? He played it in 2018 and came 55th. So he really hasn't done much. Was he on the President's Cup team? Sam Burns, yes, he tied Matsuyama, lost with Horschel, lost with Scheffler, tied with Scheffler, lost with Scheffler. Huh. I can see why Scotty's not playing. It doesn't seem like Scotty likes this course very much. You know, when you're playing with Scotty Scheffler and you're Sam Burns and you're not winning, that's probably not a great thing. Pearson Cootie actually rates out really well. The ball striking is not great, but the distance is pretty good. Let's take a look at some of these distance outlier guys. In the field, I got uh, Mullenix, Davis Tom, my guy, Davis Thompson. There we go. Benny Ant, sixth in driving distance gained over the past 24 rounds. So Champ, Rory and Cam Young, one, two. There, there's Matty Schmidt. He's up at fourth. Mitchell, Ben Ann, Brem, Luke List. We see List play well here, but he's just been a disaster lately. Woodland. How did Woodland? I don't, did, did Woodland even make the cut in Mexico? I didn't use him this week, so I wasn't paying attention to him. I didn't see people crying, so I assume he like made the cut and did very poorly. I suppose I could effort that if I wanted to. But hey, that's for another day. I'll figure that out when the tournament is over and I really start to pay attention to it. Oh, Brent the Tent Grant. Will Gordon. There's Hovland in 16th in driving distance. Matt Wallace, Taylor Moore. Oh, P-Rodge. P-Rodge came second to Rory here one year. Unfortunately, I think he lost by nine strokes, but either way. Second place is the second place. Riley, Taron, Cantlay, JT. There's Sam Stevens. He's 28th. Jordan Spieth, 29th over the past 24 rounds. Let's take a look at this uh, just driving distance itself over the past 75. Gives you a better sense. And we'll take a look at average driving distance as well. Because sometimes you can play courses where more or less everything is neutralized. If we try to do it at longer courses, maybe that's a better way to do it. We can just take a look at average round 
uh, and take a look at driving distance. Of course, it doesn't work that way. Let's go back to rank. <laughs> uh, Rory, Young, Champ. All right, it's all basically the same guys. Will Gordon, Bramlett is now up there. Mitchell and Liss, Pendrith, Cam Davis, Benny Ann, Kitayama. There's Burns. Yeah, Burns? I'm going to put Burns on the short list. I like Stevens. I like Vic. Morikawa, I can see, but again, he's one of those guys. So let's take a look now. Strokes gained off the tee leaders of guys who are not high up. Sungjae, 90th in driving distance. However, he is fourth in strokes gained off the tee. That's very good, obviously. Hayden Buckley is 64th, but fifth off the tee over that time. Corey Connors, 88th in driving distance, eighth off the tee. Who else is low? Morikawa is 97th in distance, 15th off the tee. Duncan and Harmon, 106-131, both top 20 off the tee. Grio is 66th in distance, 18th. Keegan Bradley. I could see Keegan Bradley winning this event. Of course I could see Keegan. How has Keegan Bradley played here? This reeks of being a Keegan Bradley course. Let's see. Wells Fargo Championship. That was at Potomac, 18th at Quail Hollow. Never really played it great, although the last time he played it, he was inside the top 20. Did everything kind of well. How's he been doing lately? Eh. You know, he's going to spike. He spiked at the Farmers. That's kind of a spot where you want him to do well. He didn't play well at the Genesis. That's okay. How has he played at the Genesis over the years? He has a second. He has a fourth. You know, really mixed bag. Uh, nothing really good lately whatsoever. How has he played at the Farmers? Great at no, it's Sanderson Farms. Uh, Farmers, 2nd, 65th, 18th, 35th, 5th, 4th. Okay, so he kind of dominates there when it comes to consistency. So maybe he can kind of pull that through as well. He could be a mid-range guy that I could see doing pretty well this week. Who else in the lack of distance category rates out pretty well? Uh, Kramer Hickok, that's all fairway base. Xanders, 54th, but 27th off the tee. And again, that's over the past 75 rounds. We can shrink that down to the 24 to see who's been better at that lately. Uh, to see if there's just some outlier guys that you can go with. I'm not you know, advocating that you have to go take these guys, but strong play off the tee is kind of key. The best of the bunch, Buckley goes 49th in distance, 3rd off the tee. Hatton, 51st in distance, 7th off the tee. Sungjae, 104 in distance, 9th off the tee. Herman and Connors and Duncan still up there. Morikawa still up there. Siwoo and Ben Martin start to crack in. Oh my God, James Hahn. That's not great. Yeah, 115th in distance, 29th off the tee. So pretty good accuracy for him. Aaron Rye, Adam Long up there as well with Keegan, JJ Spawn, both, you know, not huge off the tee. Jason Day, 60th in distance, but 25th overall in strokes gained off the tee. All right, who rates out the worst in the field? Anyone that I like? Oh, there's Nick Echeverria, who's a PGA Tour winner somehow this year. Oh, my guy Weberlow is, like, terrible, but he makes every single cut. Interesting stuff. Who are the best players that are down here at the bottom? Mackenzie Hughes is 124th. Will at 129th. Oh my god, that's even behind the Gim Reaper. That's not very good. Oh, awesome. Greasy Austin. He's back in the field. CT Pan is playing, apparently. Did Pan come back at Heritage? How'd he do? He did. He missed the cut. The approach play wasn't bad. This is a tournament where he's actually played well. He's still coming back off that wrist surgery, so we'll see how he ends up doing. All right. I think those are the main guys that I wanted to dig into this week. You know, my early leans as sleepers, uh, you know, Sam Stevens. I like, you know, now Keegan, Sungjae, Burns, and Vic from the top. I mean, that's not from the very top, but now that we're going to guess the odds and see how we're doing... It's got to be Rory, and I don't know how big of a favorite Rory is going to be, unfortunately. I mean, it doesn't really matter what I think now, does it? It's, you know, he's either going to be six to one or nine to one. I'm going to guess eight to one is what he ends up coming in at. So here's his quail, last few quail appearances first, eighth, 
16th, 4th, 1st, 8th, 10th, 2nd. And that doesn't go back to his win in 2009. So, yeah. Rory's going to be 6-1. to one. I'm going to change that guess to... You know what? We'll, we'll middle it. 7-1 to one with no Rom and no Scheffler. After that, I have Cantlay as the second place guy at 10 to 1 then Spieth Homa and JT all at 14 to 1 Morikawa Xander and Finau all at 18 to 1 I have Cam Young at 22 to 1 Day and Victor at 25 to 1 and Sam Burns at 35 to 1 which leaves Matthew Fitzpatrick sitting there by himself at 28 to 1 coming off the win at the RBC Heritage and that'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Thank you all for watching. Reminder again to play in the Listener's League. Smash the like for the episode and join FantasyNational.com. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo gets you 20% off. We got some big tournaments and major season coming up. It continues, so you might want to get yourself acclimated with the site now so you can put it to the best of use at the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship, all of which will have millionaire makers on drafting, so you might want to use the tools that'll give you a better chance of winning, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.